قبل ما ارنش صلوات مريم يمي A blessed Easter, we pray for everybody and for all your homes. The blessings of Easter be always with you. But it brings me to a question. What does resurrection mean to you? What are its effects? Is it real? Just made up? Or is it just rising from the dead? Now let me get more specific. Now what does the resurrection of Jesus mean? Not just resurrection. What does that mean to you? Because, believe it or not, the followers of Jesus somehow had an idea of a resurrection. But it was confusing for them. It can also be confusing for us. So they heard about a resurrection. In a weird way, they didn't even expect a death. How are you going to have a resurrection without a death? That's the... problem we face in today's gospel. Mary Magdalene, she went to the grave. Why? To anoint the body of Jesus. Why? He's dead. And she was there when he died, but didn't expect a resurrection of any kind. She discovered that the tomb was empty. What did she think? He rose from the dead. No. Somebody stole his body. She ran back to the apostles to tell them what? Go find his body. Somebody stole it. Disciples were even worse. They were even more confused. They were afraid. And I'm going to make this argument. They weren't even disciples of Jesus anymore. Remember? Peter denied him three times. They weren't even able to stay with Jesus. How many stayed in the garden? None. They were no longer loyal to him. How many of the disciples were underneath the cross? One. Why? Because their understanding of the resurrection was, believe it or not, more earthly than divine. So it had to happen for them. The resurrection here and only here. The kingdom of God is here on earth. And somehow, in their mind, Israel is in the middle of it. But what they had as expectations of the resurrection were faulty. And I think this could also be us. When we have to face mortality, death, in a normal way, in a humanity, we're confused, we're afraid. Death is such a powerful end. Many times we lose sight of faith, many times we lose sight of Jesus. We could easily fall into despair because our expectations of the resurrection is here. Everlasting life, somehow, here. Perfect health, no struggle, spoiled by our desires here. Now, I think that's the problem. All I want is here. There's nothing wrong with getting things here, but there's something greater than here. 
So we're willing to sacrifice, but for here, and to receive something here. Believe it or not, it's normal. We're human. Um, it's difficult for, under, for us to understand everlasting life. It's hard for us to think about death because it's so final, it's so complete, it's an end. And if there's some kind of a revival, like a Lazarus, there's still going to be a death. I'd hate to be Lazarus, he died twice. What do you hear from the world? How do they see resurrection? Well, one of the loudest voices today, um, and for the first time really in humanity, this voice has now become a very significant voice. It's the loud voice of atheism. And believe it or not, they have a small g God. You know what the God of the atheism is? It's science. And the interesting thing is, it's not real science, and there is... There are scientists who are atheists, and I don't get it, to be very honest with you. And they try to manipulate. And what is their mantra? Well, anything but the miracles of Jesus. We don't believe in miracles. We don't believe in any of that. Um, especially if someone rising, not only rising and resuscitating, but rising in a different form. Because Jesus just, just, you know, woke up, and he's got all his bloody self and... You know, he wasn't just resuscitated, and that's the difference between Jesus. So, give me a second, I want to go on a side note. I haven't had a side note for a while, so I'm going to take out my frustrations today on a side note. Atheistic scientists that don't believe in God are still desperate for a miracle, believe it or not. They won't use the word miracle, because they don't like that word. What's the miracle that they want to believe, by the way? They say it's one, but it's really at least three. Let's name them a bit. Number one, where did we come from? How did we start? How did they all this get started? What's their answer? Oh, it just was. Oh, really? Nice. But they need this miracle of this origin, especially this thing that's called the Big Bang, how this whole universe, the stars, the sun, the moon, and everything was a little dot. Actual size. All right, nobody gets the joke. Nice try. How did this little thing blow up to become a universe? They need a miracle to explain that one. Now, once they explain it, then they can come out and go, okay, now we've got our anti-God agenda. Problem number two. This thing, size of a dot, that blew up to make a universe, had no life in it. How did we get life? How do you get life from no life? If you look and you see these different theories, one of my favorite ones, that's lame, um, RNA somehow started to replicate themselves. Okay, that doesn't work that way. So they're desperate. Even trying to find something. By the way, as I said, this is bad science. Because even the resurrection of Jesus and the rejection of it is bad science. See, the resurrection, they speak of something outside of the world and outside of experience. And that's what science is. You look at experience 
not just by molecules. You look at experience and you try to understand it. But they speak of something new, something unprecedented, something that's never happened before. It's a new dimension of reality that's revealed. Does that contradict science? No, not at all. I'm going to quote to you. I love this quote. This is a new dimension of human existence, a new dimension of reality altogether. Is not creation actually waiting for this last and highest evolutionary leap? You know who said that? Pope Benedict XVI, the Great. Aren't we, isn't science looking for conquest of death? And this is why medicine is here, good medicine that helps us. Isn't this what science is trying to somehow accomplish? Isn't that the last miracle? Death isn't the last word. And that's what this miracle of the resurrection of Jesus. Which brings me to the third miracle. Atheist scientists can't and don't want to explain. How did Christianity spread so fast, so wide, based on, get this, eyewitnesses? Many saw the resurrected Jesus and were willing to sacrifice everything for it. See, for the sake of science, let's call them alleged eyewitnesses, um, changed hateful Christians to martyrs, to believers, to proclaimers. I'm not just talking about St. Paul, but St. Paul is one of the greatest ones. For atheistic scientists, the greatest scam in history is the resurrection of Jesus, but they have a problem. They don't know how to explain what happened. They'll come up with a bunch of excuses. You know what my favorite excuse is? 500 people at one time had the same hallucination. There's about 500 people here. Even if we smoked the same, you know what? <laughs> Would we all have the same hallucination? And I remember a commentator talked about that and said, wouldn't that be a miracle in itself? <laughs> really? That's the best I can do. And about the miracles of Jesus, one of the lamest ones that I've heard as an explanation. Every thousand years is a sheet of ice that doesn't melt in the summer. And Jesus walked on the water by walking on a sheet of ice. With his sandals... I know. You can't walk on a sheet of ice with sandals across a walk. Never mind. It's just, it's not even worth looking at it. They're just so desperate. And that's the crazy thing about atheistic scientists. Greatest scam in history, but they can't prove it. Maybe it's because it's the greatest event that happened in history. And that's what they don't want to accept. That was a really long side note. Took out my frustrations. Let's get back to the original question. What does the resurrection mean? For us, just a resurrection by itself means nothing. Resurrection of Jesus, it means everything. It's not just an act. It's the person himself that brought about this monumental 
act in history, this miracle. What changed with the disciples? Let's look at the three figures that we read today's gospel. Mary Magdalene. What happened to her? According to tradition, she became not only a true believer, but she became one of the most profound preachers of the resurrection. And according to tradition, she was able to convert more people than all of the disciples because she had experienced the resurrected Jesus. St. Peter became the first leader, died hanging on a cross. And he said, I don't deserve to die like my Lord. Hang me upside down. And the words of of Peter finally to Jesus came true. I will never leave you. His expectations of the resurrection made Peter leave Jesus. But when he hung on to the resurrection, to the resurrected Jesus, to his love, he stayed faithful to the end and a most horrible end. And by the way, there's another tradition that says that his wife was crucified right next to him. John died of old age. He's the only one that wasn't martyred. But after suffering so much, Physically, including being exiled to an island at the end of his life. His preaching of the resurrection was so awesome, especially when he was the only one underneath the cross, looking at a bloody cross. He witnessed both the death and the resurrection. So what about you? Can the resurrection accomplish in you? We need a resurrection of our expectations. A resurrection that goes beyond what we can understand on our own. Here's where the question lies. Where do you need the resurrection of Jesus? Where do you need love? Where do you need healing? Where is it difficult? Where is it beautiful? Where where is it where you can be thankful? Let me bring you an example of the resurrection of Jesus and what it meant. The a great saint, 12 years old, Maria Goretti. Jesus' resurrection meant everything to her. It meant also that she wanted to remain pure. Her 20-year-old neighbor made an indecent proposal three times. And for her, the resurrection meant, no, I want to stay pure. The third time brought about a lot of anger. And Alessandro, the neighbor, bludgeoned her to death. He stabbed her 14 times. 11 at the spot, and when she was barely able to run away, he stabbed her three more times. What did the resurrection of Jesus bring to her next? Forgiveness, because within 24 hours, she survived 24 hours. And while she was dying, and by the way, they did surgery on her without anesthesia. The doctor saw her heroic stand, and he said to her, remember me in heaven. And she said, not if you go there first. The doctor said, I think you're going to get there first. But before she died, she forgave 
That's not easy. That's the resurrection of Jesus. What happened to Alessandro? He was captured. He was given 30 years of prison. Third year, a bishop goes to visit him. Tells him about Jesus. Tells him about forgiveness. The man had a dream a few days later. And in the dream, he saw Maria Goretti giving him lilies. Lilies are a sign of purity. If you know the statue of St. Joseph, he's always usually carrying lilies. It's a sign of his purity. When she gave him in the dream, the lilies, they all became dust in his hands. And he begged for forgiveness when he woke up. Guess what? He got forgiveness. He was changed. This potential rapist, murderer, got his life changed. And he used to call Maria Goretti my little saint. But there's one last thing he needed to do. And for many of us, we can come on and go, you know, this is not fair. And I'll tell you this. The husband of Asunta, the mother of Maria Goretti, had died shortly before Maria Goretti was killed. Maria was like the father. She took care of the kids while the mother went out and was working hard. When Maria died, the little kids nobody had. She, the mother could not take care of the little kids and work. She gave them up to adoption. It ruined the whole family. And this murderer, this potential rapist is now forgiven. He had one more person to ask for forgiveness. The night before Christmas Eve, he was released from prison and went straight to the home. Knocked on the door. Asunta opened the door, the mother. He said, do you know me? She said, yes. He said, do you forgive me? Here's her response. If Jesus forgave you, and my daughter forgave you, how can I not forgive you? The next night, Christmas Eve, he knelt next to her receiving the resurrected Jesus in the Eucharist. That is what the resurrection is all about. You know what the greatest thing that Asunta experienced in her life? A few years later, first time in history, two things happened. Number one, for the first time in history, a saint was proclaimed in the presence of their mother. She attended the proclamation, the canonization of her daughter as a saint. For the first time in history, it was also televised live. There are conflicting um, reports to say if Alessandro was there or not. What happened to Alessandro? He joined an order, did not want to become a monk, he didn't feel he was worthy enough. He just wanted to serve them. And he died a simple man. They went to open his cause to make him a saint. Do you see what the resurrection of Jesus in this multiple events, what it did and what it does? So now, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean to you? Where do you need him the most? 
Where do you need the resurrection of Jesus to proclaim and to say, Blessed be the name of Jesus, both now and forever. A blessed Easter to all of you.